0: Hello and welcome, friends, to this week's edition of Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg. We're here on your community radio station, WFMP, Louisville. We broadcast from the historic Hayburn Building right here in downtown Louisville, and we live stream wherever you are in an, in the world with an internet signal. You can catch us at forwardradio.org. Hey, while you're there, why don't you become a part of this station? It's radio for the people, by the people, and yes, you are the people, my friend. So if you've been dying to get an issue onto the airwaves if you want to become part of our broadcasting team or help out behind the scenes click on participate at fordradio.org and let us know what you want to do we would love to have more local voices on this station and you could be that voice and hey chip in a few bucks while you're there too to help keep us on the air this is all listener sponsored radio and it's so affordable at just twenty dollars a day for this fantastic community treasure you can support an entire day's broadcast with that twenty dollar bill in your pocket so go to Radio.org and click on Donate Today. What we do on the Sustainability Now each week, of course, is bring in great folks from around the community uh, who are doing the work of sustainability to share the reality that sustainability is happening now. We just need to embrace it. Sometimes my guests are like brand new people I've never met before. Sometimes there's old friends like my <laughs> guest today who are like, I've been meaning to get into the studio for years now, and that is so the truth with Laura Haynes, who's joining me in studio. Welcome, Laura.
1: Hi, thanks for- for having me.
0: Laura is a colleague with me at the University of Louisville. She is a professor of psychological and brain sciences, and she's been doing it since 2004, so she's even longer at U of L than I am. Uh, she's got research interest in cognitive and social cognitive development with specific interests in effective parenting and interactive reading, achievement motivation, and development of expertise with a focus on visual arts. We're going to talk today about all the things Laura is doing uh, with the Resilient Families Project and with Little Free Libraries. I'm so excited to finally have this conversation with you. Um, So tell us, Laura, about your background. Uh, Have you always been a psychology person or did you come to this through a strange route? Yeah,
1: I got to say, that's a great... Great question, actually. You threw me <laughs> off there, but it's but it's a fun, I don't know, it's a fun walk down memory lane to think about, like, how did I get into this? And I think about it often enough because I have kids in college now, and I also, you know, I talk to students a lot about how did they, how, where are they with their career path and right. their interests and, you know, what to do next after their BA. But um, yeah, when I was uh, applying for my undergrad, you know, college applications, I knew then, I knew in high school, I wanted to go into psychology. But the interesting thing is, and my colleagues will probably laugh to hear this if they listen, (laughs) um, is that I really thought I wanted to be a clinical or counseling psychologist. And that is not what I am, right? Right. I have to be really careful, even with my family, I have to remind them. Yeah, I'm not (laughs) I'm not a clinician, I'm not a counselor, I'm not a therapist, it's not, and they're like, but then how are you a psychologist? My background, actually, I I took a few classes in undergrad in things like counseling psych and abnormal psych and, and immediately figured out that I did not, this is funny actually, I did not want to take my work home with me. Oh. And of course, as you know, we take our yeah, work home yeah, with really. us no matter what. Totally. Right, I work a lot from home. I, I feel like I do think about work almost all the time. Oh, even me too. even because just I want to, <laughs> but also because I have to. But um but anyway, so then I I really redirected my interest to be uh in experimental psychology. So that's sort of the biggest fork in the road when it comes to psychology. Is you can go clinical counseling or you can go experimental. And so I was really I, I just learned that I was really interested in kind of you know the science and and cognitive like cognitive processes. You know right. thinking and problem solving and creativity and memory and attention, and and not necessarily from a dysfunction or disorder or dis, um, just the the D's like yeah. the the you know like the the just just sort of everyday functioning. You right. know, and so I wasn't really trying so much to like. Find and fix so much as I was trying to understand the processes and just sort of everyday functioning, everyday surviving and thriving, you know, and so eventually that took me down the path of. Of looking more closely at things like attention and motivation. Yeah. Um. And which, and which,
0: by the way, super essential to getting us towards sustainability, right? Yeah. Like people need to be paying attention right. and
1: mindfulness, right? And being too, mindful. yeah, intentionality. Yeah. And so, so, um, yeah. And and I I got very interested in developmental. Psychology, so really, that's what I do most. Is I, I'm really a, a cognitive development, cognitive social, social cog, developmental applied person, um, which is a weird, you know, mouthful, <laughs> but, um, but are yeah. Ma- and are then, many of
0: your colleagues at U of L in that vein, or are you kind of a standout? Uh,
1: no, there's lots of folks. I okay. mean, like we have a really nice kind of um, established cohort in psychology that is like, you know, infant cognition and, um, child cognitive developmental. Um, yeah, we're, we're actually, we have a a nice, um, especially researchers, you know, I, I tend to teach more than I do research. Um, and I tend to do more community engagement than research, but some of that is research, um, focused. And so, yeah, so then I just sort of, as I move down this path of specialization i guess in my graduate work and thinking about motivation and attention and and then and development i really just got into family risk like people who are at risk so poverty you know just everyday challenges not not necessarily mental illness proper or what Ah, to do about it but rather because that's
0: a cause of a lot of the problems you were just enumerating like homelessness right right. but but you're actually not looking at that piece of it
1: well, I do where I do a lot of work with <laughs> families experiencing homelessness yeah. and women in drug and alcohol recovery. So you see like life kind of plays <laughs> tricks on us, doesn't it? Cuz I do f- my my students joke that like we are kind of doing therapy. We we're, we're not. Like we just happen to be trying to share the science of resilience and Mindfulness yeah. and happiness with whoever will listen.
0: <laughs> and that
1: includes us, me. I learn from what we do every sure. day. But we're working with with people who are at extreme risk, yeah. right? they're They're families who are experiencing homelessness. They are individuals experiencing homelessness, and they are women in drug and alcohol recovery. That's really our resilient families project program. Audience, And it began with an interest in just plain looking at families at risk and interacting with families at risk. And that can be any of us. It does not have that much to do even with poverty. It can be Mm. like, you know, I I can remember one of our earliest opportunities for intervention was at a private preschool, private academic preschool out on the East End. Right. Where you think, what could they possibly (laughs) not already have going for them? Financially, right? But that doesn't guarantee that you know, really, all the best practices in parenting, and in self care, and in mindfulness or self compassion. And those are the kinds of things that we really work to kind of just have conversations about. So yeah. yeah,
0: And I need to ask, as an mm-hmm. intentionally childless person, how you define families. It's a Resilient yeah. Families oh, Project. I love
1: that you asked that question. So I does love families so much... mean
0: they have to have kids or no? No,
1: I love that you asked this question because I will say, so I, I can give a little backstory and hopefully you can help me come back to that question because I really do intend to answer it. Sure. <laughs> but so our Resilient Families Project program was launched in 2011 with my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Barbara Burns. I currently co-direct it with my dear friend and colleague, Denise symbol. So I want to put their names out there. But Barbara and I really dreamed this up together. She is my, again, she would be mad if I said mentor, but she was my graduate... School advisor really? is the secret oh, back cave wow. story. So, yes. Yeah, so and we
0: go, shout out to Barbara, co founder yes. of the University of Louisville yes, Sustainability she is why Council. And
1: how. Yes, you all are, yes. are still. Uh, and, and she's and,
0: going on to a great career in California. Yeah, she's I out been at touch.
1: Santa Clara University, yeah, right? right? And right. getting ready to retire. Oh, good. I think that's not <laughs> a, a real truth, but I, she keeps saying it. So... <laughs> Anyway, so we launched this work, um, and each of us had been doing our own things that were very, very similar but separate for a long time. Because I, I actually taught at the University of Northern Colorado for nine years, so oh, okay. I, I did go away from U of L for a stretch of time okay. and then came back. Um, you know, when my kids were really little, and primarily because I love Louisville and this is where my husband's family is, and we needed, yeah. you know, we needed supportive interactions with family. We knew the value of that, and. Um, yeah, and there was a the job opportunity, so I took it, and my husband is a pilot. He had he could be kind of anywhere oh, in the convenient. world to kind okay. of, you know, commute to work, so to speak, <laughs> so we came back. In any case, um, it took Barbara and I a little minute to kind of, like, realign our parallel efforts in, in working toward healthy attachment relations within families and connecting um, to especially families at risk to support school readiness. Okay, so we had some people in the community who were aware of us. Like, yeah. like well, Edna Ross is probably one of our biggest, you know, like cheerleaders. And and she connected us to Wayside Christian Mission, which I didn't know their work all that well at that point in time. I didn't know a whole lot about homelessness at the time, right, and homeless shelters. Sure. Um, but this is 2011, so over 10 years ago, and we launched our first program. And it was primarily a parenting program so even today even though we are not a parenting program proper people still call me the parenting lady when they see me in the parking (laughs) lot hey parenting lady they don't necessarily call me laura they call me hey parenting lady which is really just interesting because the very first year of our programs we really were all about connecting with families experiencing homelessness and trying to work to promote healthy attachment relations in especially families at risk with the goal of extreme focus on school readiness and oh, okay. connecting families and schools like being that sort of bridge between home and school and and really getting kids to not miss opportunities for that important family to school yeah. connection. Yeah. Um as well as things like you know of course discipline, you know positive parenting in general and and then like how to support parents right and how to engage in some of that like again that self-care and stress management in grown-ups right so it wasn't just about the kids but again that first year it really was we were seeing families 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 and and then wayside had you know a a wild hair to say um (laughs) look we're watching kids come through the hotel lobby and behave differently than they did before we came like I would, I can't even tell you how many times the 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 front desk manager would stop me and say, "Do you know I didn't want you to come here? Do you know we didn't really want you around? We didn't know we we were inconvenienced by oh. having to set up the rooms for yeah. your programs because right. they were two and a half hour long programs. Mm. We had two rooms: the chapel, which is also serves as the Expressions Art Gallery. And You're talking
0: about Hotel, Louisville, Hotel by Louisville, by the way, just a block away from us here. Yes, Florida. I parked yeah. there to get here today. Yeah. <laughs> so yep, I sure
1: did. But, um, but again, so it was a big endeavor to, to set up these two spaces. We had, we had essentially a family program that then would be followed by an adult program separate from a children's program. And so we took up a lot of space. We took up a lot of time. It was year-round. Yeah. And it was every Thursday, same time, same Bat Channel. And they <laughs> had to shuttle people to us from the emergency shelter. Wow. Wow. So I know I understood that this was a this was like, you know, this was like we were an event that they had to set up for each week. But they week. saw the impact. But they saw the impact, right? So they they would tell us, you know, the kids and the parents that we are seeing now come through our hotel lobby are different than they were before you started. How? And they are How? well, literally they would talk about we were just talking about cussing, right? They would talk <laughs> about kids, you know, when when say one of the hotel staff Would say something about, oh, don't don't run, no running, or or watch your watch the noise volume. You know, this is a a fully operational, one of a kind hotel, right? That also served for a stretch of time as a family shelter, right? And so they were literally hosting, you know, clients for things like weddings and events and rooms overnight at the same time they were hosting families experiencing homelessness so it was a very big endeavor logistic challenge and and i and again you literally it's all walks of life coming and going and so um you know this these staff would 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 talk about how hard it was to get the 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 clients who were from the emergency shelter or from the family shelter to kind of walk the walk in terms of this is also a place of business, right? This is, we have to, we have to recognize, you know, quiet and, and caring for all the things. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, they would talk about how, you know, they would make comments to the kids and the kids would flip them off. Yeah. Um, They would make comments to the parents and the parents would tell them you know in no uncertain terms that they didn't have to you know do wow. or say or be Even the anything parents. yeah so it was you know not great modeling on the part <laughs> of the parents and also not great you know for anybody really honestly and so anyway it, w- it was interesting then wayside this is their their wild hair like i think you know great idea was they they said look if this is going so well for our families the adults and the children alike we're seeing and hearing so much positivity from folks coming through this program. Why don't we open it up to the women in drug and alcohol recovery? Ah. Again, I am not a. I was not about not drug and alcohol do. recovery. That wasn't my <laughs> shtick. But we. they said, can they come? And I said, well, sure. Just let me make sure I have a big enough team. And I'm lucky enough. I'm just plain lucky enough to have lots of access to students who are really interested in this kind of yeah. access to... Yeah you know, special populations and, and you know, interest in things like seeing psychology and the science of psychology, work, you know, yeah. applied to the real world and to interventions and to every day, just every day coping, right? Yeah, yeah. And so quite quickly and I, I talk about this with Barbara a lot that my program now that I co-direct with Denise is very, very different than the program she directs in California because she's still working with very young single moms and it's all about parenting. It's all about parenting. And wow. it's all about how to be, you know, and and raise and and grow and nurture that little <laughs> human, right? <laughs> And to take care of yourself as a Mm. grown-up at the same time. Now, we had, all of a sudden, people in our program who perhaps do not have children. Okay, so maybe we don't need to be talking so much about parenting for that reason. We need to really kind of choose and use our words and and talk more about just kind of lifespan functioning, right, (laughs) independent of parenting. And then also, there were a lot of women who had lost their children, too, yeah, you know, the system or who just didn't have them in their care while they were in recovery. Yeah. And so even saying the word child is a trigger, Ooh, right? Yeah. Because imagine, you know, if you're talking about, sure. you know, parenting and your child and you don't have your child and you're struggling to get them back, um, or maybe don't see an end in sight to yeah. getting them back is, it's a very important, you know, thing to acknowledge. And so, um, Luckily, I mean, we were able to and we continue to be able to, you know, write letters for women to support them in court to get, you know, that possibility, that door opened up. Um, So we're great. We're super glad to do that. But we also really just kind of talk about tall people and short people instead of parents (laughs) and Children, honestly. I so yeah, and um, and so it was just about reframing and 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 being intentional and aware of. We we also don't talk about drugs. We don't talk about really recovery because that's not what we're about, mm. right? It so happens that that's who's in the audience, but it's not the point of the program, right?
0: My guest today on Sustainability Now is Laura Haynes, a psychology professor at L, who I've known for a long time mm-hmm. because she's just so engaged in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, we met through our, our work yep. together on the uh, Peace, UofL.
1: justice, and conflict transformation, what used to be a certificate program, now a minor, and uh-huh. other all other good things yeah. that can happen uh, to train up things like conflict mediation, which... If, if I can say this about that program, sure. I think just like parenting, we should require all human beings to get a certificate in conflict mediation because <laughs> I don't know. the world know be
0: a different place?
1: Anybody who doesn't need that, yeah. that training, I uh, still do. Pretty much
0: again. all of us uh, yeah. hit some conflict along yeah. the way. But she's also very engaged in the co-directing the Resilient Families Project, which I should mention. You all can find out about and follow on mm-hmm. Facebook at RFP Lou. And mm-hmm. are, are you all
1: fundraising?
0: Are you looking oh, for gosh. more students? Tell us about I, that. How I'm can people? I'm glad that you it. asked
1: that question too because what one is, it, my students will hear me say this left and right, and I hope they say it left and right. We are always recruiting. <laughs> we are always recruiting. Even through COVID, we've continued to recruit in a different way. Right now, uh, I say sadly, um, but in some ways luckily, we haven't seen kids in our program since May 20th. Wow. Or May of 20, sorry, wow. not May 20th, but May, May of, of 2020. Um, and that's Primarily because the kiddos are not all vaccinated, vaccinated yeah. and Wayside has not given us the the green light to have them back. But that doesn't mean we don't have their parents. Mm. Um, and again, primarily the women in drug and alcohol recovery in our program. So we have all these tall people. We have some men. I mean, out of nowhere. That's when I say we're lucky. You know, I'm, I'm not ever wishing that we wouldn't have kids in our program, but it has given us some... Some new opportunities for training and access and focus on adulting, <laughs> right? <laughs> adulting. So, um, yeah, so that has been what we've been doing. Our team is incredibly smaller than it was pre COVID. You know, we have usually, I would say, since COVID, we've had teams of six. Wow. Including me and Denise That's or eight. Bad. Yeah. Um, wow. When pre COVID, our teams, ranged from 25 Holy to 50 cow. members. Wow. And these were any combination of undergraduates, honors students, Kent school students, sometimes graduate students, um it could be community volunteers we still have community volunteers we still have alumni working with us we have students who just keep coming even though they've already completed for example an internship with us so yeah so we're always recruiting and we are also always fundraising right (laughs) I mean we are not a very expensive program but nothing is free you know um, Wayside is gracious enough to um, For a long time now, since 2016, they have, I'm not sure I'm supposed to disclose this, but they've let us stay rent-free since 2016. It used to be that we paid rent for the two office spaces, Mm -hmm. and this equated to about a $7,200 divot out of our departmental funds. It was always departmental funds. Oh, so there's no
0: grant support here.
1: There was no grant support, wow. pr- not not sustainable grants. Well, yeah, one-time. Right? I, I will right, yeah. say, for example, the Delphi Center and A for a long time. They were very much, you know, champions for us. Um, we had gr- grants through them early on, but those were really kind of one-time, yeah. one-and-done year year stints. Um, I always apply for grants. I'm always looking, but it is very hard to fund rent it's very hard to fund crafts and books Mm. and t-shirts things that go out the door you know and equipment you know so um so really that's what we we need money for is is that sort of thing is and we get we have great supporters we have um unity of louisville for a long time was a huge supporter and you know there's still positive you know partnership with them um, we have Saraban Books. It's a local publisher that was our first donor to our little free oh, wow. libraries, and we always have their books on our shelves, ready to fill the little libraries around wow. town with. Yeah, we have partners in places like uh, Pause with Purpose. They come and do, you know, presentations for us. But money-wise, we really—I mean, like—to be able to, as you know, with U of L funds, it's always hard. Even if you have, you know, faculty allotment or you have a grant of whatever kind, sometimes it's hard to be able to spend it on what you need to spend it on, (laughs) you know, and to have access to it when you need it and quickly. And so I have... For the last several years, been a, an ambassador for the U of L Annual Day of Giving. A very the raise good one. I might yeah, I did. I did kind of win that <laughs> that um, initiative last year just because of the number just the number of donors who came by way of our launch page. So people so, can so, donate. But people can donate free,
0: yes. right? Because yes. It's yes, donated. because we
1: are a nonprofit, right? Mm-hmm. And and then that gives us this essentially this gift account, which is just genius, yeah. right? Yeah. Very very different from grant money. Very, right. very different from faculty allotment or RIF, account, you know, like stuff from, so I we can do you know, I check out the UofL credit card and I can go to Michael's or I can go to Lowe's, I can go, you know and I can, I write my business justification for it and it's just all about that gift account is yeah. very very Flexible in the way we need it. In fact, one of the things that, that we're interested in launching is a scholarship with some of that, those funds, where now we can decide as a as an RFP team. You know, what that application process looks like and who it goes to and how we interview and how we, you know, how we, how much we gift and how often. So yeah. that's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, you mentioned books. I yes. want to talk about Little Free Library, yeah. but before we dive into that, just yeah. how do, how do storybooks factor into the work of the Resilient Families Project? Oh, I'm,
1: I'm glad that you asked that too. When I talk about our Resilient Families Project, we're, again, you've heard me say we're really interested in providing educational opportunities for people. People of all ages, all backgrounds, all constitutions, and, and maybe I should also go back to a question you had about family. How do I define family? I'm not sure I, I answered that fully. In a way you did. <laughs> when, when we're in program, we literally say the minute you walk in the door, you're family, right? And just like your blood relatives, you can't pick who you're family with right right you know um you know like it or not uh you know we are family once you're in the door of our programs and so it's whoever's in the room right that's who's family um okay and so our pillars of this work as we work to provide these educational you know experiences and we work to promote resilience growing and strengthening that and 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 engaging in things like mindfulness and and happiness practices, we're gonna we're gonna do that with some strong goals in mind. And you heard me talk about healthy attachment relations. That's one of our biggest motivations: is to encourage healthy attachment relations among any pair or more of human beings.
0: And help me understand: an unhealthy attachment would be like what do we call it? Codependency or something? Tell it me. could
1: be. It could be. It could be. Um, You know, that you are insecure in your attachment style, that you don't trust, you are wary, you are uncertain, you're disorganized in your attachment to a person. Um, It often can come from things like abuse or neglect. Mm. Um, It can come from, you know, a parenting interaction where there's mental illness involved. But it can also come from, and this is going to sound... Like, almost, you know, surprising maybe, but it can come from, like, parents who are too hovery, right? So, from helicopter parenting or from bushwhacker parenting, you know, like, (laughs) where someone's just too much in your business and too much clearing the way and not letting you... You know, use, Explore and yes, listen. secure, you know, you have a secure base for exploration, yeah. right? Because we want kids to disconnect from us a little bit and come back and check back in, right? And, and I we want imagine. our partners to disengage from us yeah. and come back every now and then, right? I so, can, feel I can very easily
0: imagine. I've yep. never suffered houselessness, thank goodness, mm-hmm. uh, except for, like, intentionally on trips. Right, right, right. But I can totally imagine how someone in that situation would would very easily get into unhealthy attachment relationships mm-hmm. with people that they're dependent upon yeah. in their family, uh, I, can, I can very easily see how that could yeah. be a common yeah, so, problem. So thinking right?
1: about healthy attachment relations, healthy bonding, loving someone with all the good conditions right. and all the benefits that come from that, not just being attached generically, yeah. right? But. But having safety, yeah. having structure, right? Then we talk about things like not just within your own home or space or family, but 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 in your life, having routines, yeah. having traditions, having things that you kind of know what happens when. There's great security that can come from that, um, and that can come from family interactions, right? Or not, right? If you have chaos in your space whether it's home or elsewhere, right? If it's chaos, it's very stressful and disconcerting Mm -hmm. and unknown. So again, healthy attachments, you know, we want safety, we want structure, and we want appropriate responsiveness, right, where someone reads you and knows you well enough to try and meet your needs, Ah. not just responding flailingly right (laughs) so um because there is such a thing right some parents do right right? you just think like (laughs) i I use this example in class where you know kiddo again i'm going to use a kid example but this could be in your dating relationship it could be in your marriage you're you have a kiddo who's tired and fussy and maybe needs a nap or needs some food or needs you know to cool off a little bit you know whatever it is and the parent picks the kid up as they're fussing and bounces them on their knee, right? And stimulates them. Oh, wow. That's a bad fit, right? It's responsive, like, and right. maybe it's like almost like mechanical, but it's not a good fit. It's not sensitive to what the kid needs right now, which is soothing, which is maybe a hug or here, lie down next to me or mm. let's, you know, tell a story or let's even just breathe. Mm. Right. Or go for a walk or change, you know, change is as good as a rest. <laughs> you know, you might just need that. Right. So, so the,
0: the rule of storybooks then yeah, is to thank help. Thank you for coming. Back. Yeah. I just yeah. want to bring it back to, to, yeah. to that because we're going to move on to Little Free Libraries. Yeah. But that that's to help create some of that structure and positive. Yeah. Responses.
1: I mean, t- so we're we're interested in building health. The attachment relations, we're interested in building a sense of community, belonging, and purpose, and we're interested in, in promoting um, school and life readiness. Okay. And we do that through carefully selected children's storybooks,
0: ah, right? Okay, and so okay.
1: I know that's a long way back around, but I no, appreciate you bringing me back. We have there. the time, <laughs> we're very much very, very interested in vetting children's storybooks so incredibly carefully, and that's the research side of this, is there's a lot of content analysis and program evaluation and program development that comes from literally reading storybooks. Mm. So come to our team and work mm. in our lab because you get to read children's storybooks, right? <laughs> yeah, and talk about how are they a good fit or how do they miss the mark? Not, that, not necessarily are they a bad book, but do they meet the objectives and the mission and the, and the, the intention of our programs, right? To promote healthy attachment relations, to include diversity, equity, inclusion, anybody's identity can be found in this book, right? So we love, love, love love books that have things like dinosaurs or animals or fictional characters because those characters, guess what? They don't necessarily have skin color. (laughs) They don't necessarily have... You yeah. know, traditional, gender, Baggage. anything, right? <laughs> and you often can't tell their age either. Oh, yeah. That's the beautiful thing. Like, So if you really can intentionally evaluate books and then say these are the books that are going to be at the platform, huh. one of them eat for each of the programs that we offer across the years, then that is a beautiful beginning, right?
0: I'm speaking today with Laura Haynes, professor of psychology and uh, psychological and brain sciences at the university of Louisville since 2004. She's director of the resilient families project. If you want to support their work, if you're a student listening and you want to get involved, uh, you can find them at RFP Lou on Facebook, or you can find Laura at louisville.edu slash psychology slash Haynes, H-A-Y-N-E-S. And I'm so glad you started bringing up the idea of, uh, uh, curating books because yeah. that is a hot topic in the news right now. Right. There are people who want to keep certain books away from children. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're coming at it from a very different perspective mm-hmm. from you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep.
1: Night and day. <laughs> yeah. We're really about like this intentional selection of books so that anybody, literally anybody young or old can find themselves there. Like nice. find yourself there. Find oh this is uh, some challenge I've faced. This is some um, experience I'd like to imagine. This is some conflict I'm working through. This is an example of how to get through it. Right. Um, this is how important the support of others is mm. for resilience mm. and and striving. You know for for thriving. Right. Um, and yeah.
0: and I'm sure it's it's the type of text that do not perpetuate white supremacy heteronormativity yes. uh, patriarchy right which yep. we we find in children's books yep,
1: yep. Yeah. yeah i mean it, you would think and and i think my students come at this work imagining that just because we're using children's storybooks that means any storybook is just as good as the next one. <laughs> and as you can imagine, that's just not the case. That's just not the case Brother, right And cram, one of the right? things I challenge my students to do and I would love for anybody listening to take this challenge is just to go to a bookstore. go to Barnes and Noble and go to the children's section and look at the wall yeah and look at the wall and see who you see. Mm. See if you see yourself. Right? right. See if you see your family. See if you see your constitution. <laughs> see if you see you know reconstituted families. See if you see different ages, different you know colors, different identities. See if you see all of those things with people with occupations and interests that run the gamut because we want i mean we want people when they read especially children's storybooks we want kids to see the potential for who and what they can be moving forward right Right. i can be a neuroscientist i can be an astronaut i can be a teacher i can be a lawyer i can be a police you know law enforcement person. I can be any of these things.
0: Or a peacemaker. Um, <laughs> yes. So, I
1: i am just saying, I, I think you you would be surprised at what's on the wall yeah, if yeah. you're just looking at the cover. And we're not even talking about what's inside. Yeah. Right? So, I'm just talking about the images.
0: So, the Resilient Families Project has developed a list of these yep. suggested texts, which yep. could be useful to any yep. parent, I assume, yep. or teacher, right? But these lists also go into the Little Free Library. So, let's yeah. talk about that of um, what are little free libraries i'm sure many of our listeners have noticed these things in their neighborhood yeah. maybe they've never checked them out yeah. so i would i would
1: that. advise folks to check them out <laughs> take anything they like that's what i, I mean, you know people come i have one right outside my house but we also rfp Brazilian Families Project. Uh, we have stewarded three in Louisville since 2014. We have our brand newest one at U of at the Garden Commons, right outside Strickler Hall, um, that we're so excited about. I'm, that's what we're going to talk about. I know. It's beautiful. But yeah, it is. It is quite gorgeous. <laughs> it's probably my favorite one. I'm not, probably not supposed to say that, but, but um, yeah. So they are. They look like little. Um, Uh, I guess mailboxes some people have said is it a birdhouse I mean it's bigger than that but it's definitely meant for you to open it up and look and 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 literally take anything you see and you do not have to return it but you're welcome to insert things. And we've had all kinds of things inserted into our, you know, like people have dropped all kinds of things off there where we have to go, you know, it's important to be a good steward and be aware of what's in there. Right. Yeah. So, but there is no fee for not returning something on time. There's no accountability. If you find a book and love it and want to keep it or pass it on to somebody else, that's one of our favorite things is that you just, you know, pay it forward. So, um,
0: but there's so many people with way too many books on their shelves that they really don't need to hold on to anymore. Right. Right.
1: Right. And, and the beauty of literally saying to someone, what's a book that really just, what's your favorite book or what's a book from your childhood that you would imagine just really wanting to, you know, encourage someone else to read. Yeah. Um, If you had to pick what and people and just that's another really fun exercise is to think (laughs) back to what was your favorite children's storybook or what's a book that you've read recently that just really has stuck with you and you want to, you know, share it with someone else and then build a conversation around that. Right. That's 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 the beauty of of storybooks um, like gardens. Right. That that they bring people together over conversations yeah. and 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 sharing what's inside yeah. right so um yeah so the little free libraries is not my idea but I did get on that bandwagon so todd Bull, in 2009 movement, right? yeah he his, his mom was a librarian and she died and in in her death he wanted to memorialize her and he built a mock up of a little schoolhouse um, that was meant to be a tiny library that he put outside his own home and it got so much traction and interest (laughs) that he started building them and putting them up in other places and then other folks um i want to say it's rick brooks joined him from U. um university of wisconsin-madison um and and they partnered to create this web platform that has just taken off and i really i would love for people to visit um, LittleFreeLibrary.org, so it's singular library, and and see just more about the history, the the mission. It's really it's really about some of the same things that we've been talking about. It's just access for everyone to books. And I, I did take a note of this new initiative. They have something called Read in Color that you're gonna love because oh, of wow. what we've just been talking about. And so it's all about. Um, it was an initiative that was launched. Um, In the era of the George Floyd and Breonna Taylor murders and is all about getting folks to have access to information on racism, on um, social justice and. Um, and celebrating LGBTQ. I'm trying I'm reading from my notes yeah, you can tell nice, but I nice. want to make sure I get it right because it's a beautiful um, expression they have here other marginalized voices right they're really interested in that. So you can actually get on and sign that pledge you know oh. to be involved in trying to promote works that allow for that awareness right and that connection over those kinds of content but you can build your own little free library you can yeah. find free specs on how to build it you can buy the libraries from them and have them shipped oh, really? um, they have grants to help support these kinds of initiatives um, i will say that as i talk about my latest greatest favorite little free library at your garden commons at U of L's campus um, we literally just talked about this a little bit in our lab and I said, you know, I, I've had this vision of a little free library at L's campus since 2014, and I just always felt like there was probably going to be resistance to putting <laughs> a structure on L's <laughs> campus. I was wrong because you all just, like, took Open the idea and, yeah. and ran with it the minute we said something. But the cool thing was in these conversations, one of my current interns, Sabrina Johnson, just said, I know someone. Who will build this? And she went with this idea to this family and, um, Got this guy to build it, and he did it in like a weekend. Yeah, and it's prettier than anything I've ever seen. And I was like, "How am I gonna put this out in the weather?" Because it's like a piece of furniture; it's so gorgeous. <laughs> but uh, you know, Sabrina and I painted it and got it weather ready. And then we talked it up with you and our team, and we got. I mean, we we've always had books on. I have books everywhere. Like yeah, I have people, yeah. as you said, people are always you know, ready to, to, to check their bookshelves and go, I don't need all these. Right. And wouldn't it be cool to kind of give and give back, you yeah. know, and, and support this initiative. And so we we take donations of books all the time. I have space in our labs where we store books. I have space at Hotel Louisville in those two office spaces that I mentioned where we store books and, and stock the the Little Free Library that's right outside Hotel Louisville. Um and I also have them in my garage. My husband uh, yeah. will tell you that's true. Um, so, yeah, we have books everywhere, but we're always taking them and we always need them. So, yeah. So the Little Free Library Initiative is a, a really um, an, an excellent endeavor for helping, especially now in, in COVID times, you know, mm. where we have so many challenges mm. in getting kids engaged in yeah. school and out of school and through the summer slide you know, and literacy is, has always been an important thing, but now we have this yeah. extreme crisis. Really, yeah. that's just we we need people to find the excitement and adventure that reading is, um, because reading is you know it's fundamental. I know I sound like an <laughs> ad, but but when you think about that that reading and literacy is what opens the doors to every single subject matter in school, right? Mm-hmm. If you can't read, you can't, not just, you can't just not do language arts. You also can't do math. You also can't do physics. You also can't do yeah. science, right? And so reading is fundamental in that way. The other thing I would say is, and I haven't got a chance to say this, but it's really important to think about that reading together is something that can and almost always does promote healthy attachments mm-hmm. right especially if we're talking about caregivers mm-hmm. and their short people mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. So that if you just kind of reflect on when you were a kid, if you were read to, what was that like, mm. right? Guess what it was? It was probably a pretty darn cozy mm. exchange.
0: Or I like, would think caregivers of tall people, too, if, you have, <laughs> right? if you're if you a caregiver for someone elderly or infirm yeah. or blind or something yeah. like that, or even just someone who's sick, like reading yeah. to them would reading be wonderful. Reading to people, right? right?
1: I mean, the, the times that I've ever taken a children's storybook to a classroom, of college students and said, I'm gonna read a book to you. Oh my gosh, I would have loved that in college. They about fall (laughs) over in love, not with me, but with the concept and the practice of being read to, right? And just and and so fall back in love with it, you know, is is but but I just would have you think about like when you're reading with someone, especially when you are a short person and learning about like your 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 first your first relationships set the stage for whether you think relationships matter are worthy yeah. right and safe
0: yeah and
1: and people will stay mm. and people will accept you no matter what happens mm. right so you learn about the 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 template mm. for relationships and the possibility or you miss it mm. right but but if you have that reading time right that's one of the best times for that healthy attachment to build and yeah. to be nurtured, right? And so think about it. If you're sitting with someone, right, in that cozy space, it's all—it's one, it's a close space, it's often nighttime or hmm. snuggle time. Yeah. You can probably remember the smell of someone who mm-hmm, read to you mm-hmm. or the sound of their voice, the touch of their skin. But then also this notion that when you open a book, especially a really good children's book, right, You're going to face some conflict, Mm. right? There are going to be challenges, right, that are going to need some transformation, right, and that we're going to need to work through. And so you're going to learn strategies, and you're going to be able to have these hypothetical experiences with difficulty that are going to set you up for when the difficulty really hits the fan, right? And so there's so many things packed into reading, so much opportunity that I – I'm crazy when people miss it. Like, I will tell you, I learned as a grown up, I learned this five years ago, devastated to learn that my mother, who taught me to love reading. Was never read to. I thought everyone really? on the planet was read to as a kid. And my mom turned out okay. But she had to overcome that was burn. devastating news oh. to me because I think the power of being read to and reading and interactive reading and this notion of we what we use together in our program is this is this um, evidence-based practice of dialogic reading. It's all about turn-taking and a dialogue, really, and and getting, not just reading to an individual, reading with, With, and getting them to eventually tell the story all on their own, you know, and and love the notion, again, the excitement and adventure of not just reading, but storytelling. Because when you think about it, right, where does human connection come from? It comes from stories. Stories. Right? You get on an airplane, you get on a bus, you get in in an Uber... I was going to say taxi. That's how old I am. <laughs> um, but, you know, you know, a person zero when you sit next to them on that and method of transportation. But the yep. minute yep. that person engages in some yep. conversation, you start telling stories. That's right. Right. And there is right. that connection that it comes from our interest in telling and hearing stories.
0: I am so sad that we are out of time because (laughs) this has been so great. I've been speaking with Laura Haynes, my colleague at U of L, associate professor in psychological and brain sciences. If you want to learn more about Little Free Libraries Mm -hmm. and how you can support them, open one of your own. First Mm -hmm. of all, nationally you can go to littlefreelibrary.org or locally you can go to Facebook and search for Louisville Little Free Libraries. Mm -hmm. Or you could just stop by the Garden Commons at the University of Louisville, right there next to Strickler Hall behind the speed art museum parking garage and make a donation or check check out a book anytime
1: or help take care of the garden that's right right. while (laughs) you're there pick
0: out some herbs and stuff yeah
1: pick a weed
0: (laughs) (laughs) laura this has been such a treat thank you so much thank you for having
1: me i feel so grateful to you thank you awesome
0: stay tuned everybody coming up in just a second i got your community action calendar oh yeah there's ways to get engaged in sustainability this week so get ready my friends And we are back here on Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, listening to the sweet sounds of Apple Latin behind me now. Many thanks to them for giving us permission to use their local music on the podcast versions of our programs. Which you can find on SoundCloud and archived at FordRadio.org. And you can learn more about them at latin.com Well, I hope you've got your pencils sharpened and your calendars out my friends because this could be your week to take action for sustainability and it all starts on tuesday the 14th uh from 2 to 5 p.m louisville grows Is going to have a greenhouse volunteer day at their healthy house at 1641 Portland Avenue. After a great spring, Louisville Grows needs your help in the greenhouse and surrounding outside area to prepare for starting and potting plants for the fall. No experience is required, plus, you'll get to take home any veggies or herbs left in the greenhouse and a volunteer discount at the fall seeds and starts sale. Volunteer tasks will include emptying soil from containers, organizing pots, rearranging tables, pulling Weeds, uh, moving fruit trees and berry bushes, watering trees and plants, rain garden maintenance and mulching. You can find the link to sign up and more information at louisvillegrows.org, but it's this Tuesday from 2 to 5 p.m. at the Healthy House, Louisville Grows. Well, my friends, I hope you are getting excited because it is Independence Week here in Louisville. Yes, our Juneteenth celebrations last all week long. There's so much going on this week, my friends. Uh, First of all, just to share uh, what's going on citywide, you can go to louisvillekygovernor slash government slash Juneteenth for a full schedule Uh, this week from June 13th through 17th there'll be a Juneteenth camp at the Louisville Visual Arts and Waterfront Park from 9.30am to 4pm that's Louisville Visual Arts and Waterfront Park hosting this day camp for youth ages 7 to 12 campers will be introduced to the works and history of Ed Hamilton, Muhammad Ali, the Underground Railroad, and more. Then they'll be creating their own artworks to express themselves and their newfound knowledge. In the afternoons, campers will explore Waterfront Park for Fun Camp activities. It's limited to 10 students. Again, learn more at louisvilleky.gov government slash Juneteenth. Now, Tuesday the 14th, uh, it'll, it's Lean into Louisville Redistricting Panel Discussion at 6.30 p.m. Mayor Fisher will greet and introduce a diverse panel that will address and examine why redistricting happens who it helps harms and short term and long term implications Metro TV and lean into Louisville will live stream the event on social media then on Wednesday on June 15th at noon it's another lean into Louisville presentation the Kentucky African American Civil War Soldiers Project and first at First Gethsemane Baptist Church the African American Civil War Soldiers Project seeks to uncover archival documents about the lives of these soldiers and their family members and use them as the basis for constructing family trees going as far backward and forward as possible. Dan Gediman and Denise Payton will share stories and photographs about selected soldiers from Louisville as well as discuss their newly created searchable online database. That is Wednesday the 15th at noon. Then on Thursday, June 16th at 11 a.m. at Kentucky Center for African American Heritage. The Louisville Metro Human Relations Commission celebrates their 60th anniversary and Juneteenth luncheon, and uh, it it will celebrate the HRC's achievements in safeguarding all individuals within Jefferson County from all forms of discrimination. The mayor will speak, along with the keynote speaker, Reverend Dr. Daniel Corey Schull, Senior Pastor of Burnett Avenue Baptist Church. The cost to attend will be $25 per person for that luncheon on Thursday, June 16th at 11 a.m. at the Kentucky Center for African American Heritage. Then on Friday, June 17th at 6 p.m. at the Muhammad Ali Center, it's a Juneteenth Jubilee Celebration, Our Story, America's Glory Inaugural Gala. Mayor Fisher will speak at the Red Carpet Gala that will feature dinner, spoken word by Hannah Drake, and special performances by the Doctor Jerry Tolson Orchestra, Cyrita Thompson trumpet lady, and Donna and the Antone Band. Wave 3's Dawn G. A Juneteenth Jubilee Commissioner will MC the event. And tickets are available at JuneteenthLou.com. And then on Saturday, June 18th at 8 a.m., there's actually there's a whole bunch of things happening on Saturday. So get ready, get your pencils ready, my friends. At 8 a.m., you can do the Norton Healthcare Sports and Learning Center. You can do a race for justice by future ancestors. Participants will honor Brianna Taylor by running or walking 26 laps as a team, one for every year she was alive, or by walking or running. Up 1.3 mile individual race, she of course was killed on March 13th of 2020 then at 9 a.m., if you'd prefer, instead of running, bicycling, well, you can join the third annual Juneteenth Solidarity Bike Ride rolling out of Shawnee Park at 9 a.m. on Saturday the 18th. They'll be meeting up at the restrooms across from the football field in Shawnee Park. Join us in solidarity for the third annual Juneteenth Solidarity Ride. This 13-mile ride commemorates Juneteenth. We ride for health, fitness, and awareness of Juneteenth which, of course, is an American federal holiday celebrated on June 19th. Although the Emancipation Proclamation was signed on January 1st of 1863, it would be another two and a half years later that the most remote of the Union states, Texas, would receive the news. And on June 19th of 1865, the enslaved African-Americans of Galveston, Texas, received news that they were free. Juneteenth became a federal holiday, of course, in 2020. This is an inclusive, family-friendly, casual, no-drop ride. Helmets are required and traffic laws will be followed. This free ride will begin and end in Shawnee Park with a turnaround in Willow Park. You can register at JuneteenthRide502.eventbrite.com. Or you can just show up. On-site registration begins at 8 a.m. and wheels down at 9 a.m. at Shawnee Park at the restrooms across from the football field on Saturday. Now, also Saturday, June 18th, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at Berrytown Park, there'll be a Juneteenth Youth Jamboree. Reviving Urban Neighborhoods Incorporated will host a fun-filled family event where youths can win prizes by demonstrating their knowledge of Juneteenth facts. And then also on Saturday, June 18th, from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., it's Juneteenth. Celebrate a Regal Tradition at Joshua the Tabernacle Baptist Church and Central High School Stadium this Juneteenth gathering community to celebrate black visual and performing art businesses and more bring your family friends and neighbors to enjoy music art a free meal and build community there'll be music by the pretty J the DJ and that is Saturday the 18th from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Joshua Tabernacle Baptist Church and Central High School Stadium well, you can learn more about all of those events again at louisvilleky.gov government slash Juneteenth. But wait, there's more. There's more events at louisvillejuneteenthfest.com, including the Louisville Juneteenth Festival taking place on the actual Juneteenth Sunday, June 19th at the Belvedere from three to nine. But wait, there's more. Yes, L is hosting a Juneteenth week of celebration all week long this week. UofL welcomes you to join them for the series of Juneteenth events. It's a variety of university sponsors presenting their second annual Juneteenth week of power and policy. It's an exciting week of events focused on the education and celebration commemorating the delayed emancipation of the enslaved peoples of the U.S. And you can learn more and register for each event at events.louisville.edu slash Juneteenth. On Tuesday at noon, there is a panel discussion focused on Juneteenth cash bail and racial justice work. On Wednesday, the 15th at 6 p.m. in the Red Barn, there's a Power to the People catered meet and greet with an opportunity to engage with political leaders who identify as black or African-American, both currently sitting and running for election. Uh, Then on Thursday at 11.30 a.m. at the Graemeier Hall Oval Lawn, it's the Red and Black on the Green Celebratory Luncheon and Black Business Owners Vendor Fair. On Friday, June 17th at noon, starting at Ekstrom Library, the amazing Tom Owen will be doing a historical black UofL walking tour around campus designed to highlight historical points around UofL relative to black and african-american history and it wraps up on saturday the 18th at 10 a.m at roots 101 museum with back to our roots a roots 101 museum tour step into the narrative and take a journey through the african-american experience with exhibits curated to make our visitors not just viewers of history Wow, so much going on this week. I hope you get a chance to get out and celebrate Juneteenth with your friends and neighbors. And that is all the time we have for today here on Sustainability Now. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And I look forward to being back in your ears again in one week's time, my friends. Be well.